Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You're listening to Episode 10. In this episode, the board administers their Righteous Judgment Upon Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Designed by Shane Lacey Hensley with Clint Black, this edition of the game was published in 2018 by Pentacle Entertainment Group. Savage Worlds is a fast, furious, and fun rule system for any genre of role-playing game and shines as an engine for pulpy, high-adventure games providing intuitive and exciting mechanics. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, all rise. The RPG Review Board is now in session. My name is John Case Tompkins. I'm joined by Heidi Faith. Trey Gordon, Adam Lawson, and Nathan Stanley. If the judgment of this court helps you find a new game, help us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is our review of Savage Worlds, which we'll get to talk about in just a minute. But first, let's see how everyone is doing. Uh, The fall semester has begun and uh yeah kids are back in school uh tables are uh, are filling up with homework but um uh hopefully you're all still finding time to game and such like nathan how are you doing oh i'm doing pretty well let's see in the world of nathan recently i guess the the main thing looming on the horizon is gen con uh the week that we're recording this anyway So, you know, getting ready for that, we're going to be playing a couple mega games, which I'm really looking forward to, especially Den of Wolves, uh, because we'll be returning to that mega game uh, from a couple years ago, wherein it's it's part role playing game, part board game with like 40 players. So it's going to be pretty fun. Okay, now this is Gen Con. They've re they've rescheduled it, but they've also tried to make provisos for safety. Right. So everyone's got to wear a mask. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. from from what I've seen, they're going to be fairly strictly enforcing that mask mandate. So, you know, everybody has to wear it properly and and keep it on at all times while you're inside. So, yeah. This just seems like an opportunity missed because you could do a mega game involving people who are inept surgeons trying to find who they're operating on. You know, <laughs> and you have to read over the mask or something. Yeah, we could we could write it. And it could be called Stat. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Adam, I think you're also going to Gen Con, right? I am. And this is my first time playing Den of Wolves, the mega game. I listened to the stories that they returned with last time, two years ago, and uh, got to give it a shot. So I'm excited for that. We've kind of missed our chance to get matching shirts this year, but two years ago, uh, that team had matching shirts for their ship and the whole bit because, of course, they did. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be pretty exciting. We're doing another mega game. What's it called, Nathan? For uh, the Queen or uh, as Her Majesty? Thou commands? As Thou Commands? Yeah, something. I think that's right. Something, uh, yeah, something regal. Um, and that's going to be interesting as well. So I'm looking forward to some mega games and always some RPGs and just some nerdy fun with friends. Well, yeah, I, I will not be attending this year, but uh, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of people have other things to do. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Trey, I know you're very busy. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's, it's been a busy couple of weeks, months. <laughs> Sp- <laughs> span of time. Um, yeah. yeah, well, so uh, the other day, to try to kind of get some sanity in our lives, uh, my wife and I 
realized that we had Saturday off, like completely off. Um, which that never happens. Never happens, right. So we decided we we're going to go down to Shades State Park. Um, for those of you in the Indiana area, you will know what Shades is maybe. It's a state park not too far from Indianapolis. Um, <clears throat> we're going to go down there and do some hiking, spend some time outside. Um, it's it's beautiful there. I, I really recommend you go in spite of the weird story I'm about to tell you. Um, <laughs> oh, great. So we're we're walking down this trail, and there's nobody around, you know, and we've been talking and chatting and joking, and there's been this sort of lull in the conversation, and we're just kind of walking along and enjoying this, the quiet and, and each other's company, and I hear a little snap from over my head. This is the kind of sound that you hear when you're walking around in the woods. But before I could look up, I hear this incredible thwop sound. I mean, like loud, like right out of your skin. Just this go-boom, and it's right on me, right? It's just right there. And you kind of jump. It was a squirrel. This squirrel... A branch had broken. I guess that's what the snapping sound was because we later, a, a branch hit shortly after okay. that. And there's a squirrel laying on the trail less than a foot away from me. I mean, this squirrel probably missed me by about four inches. And it's laying on the, it's, it's laying sort of flat on its belly with its feet, all four of its feet splayed out. And it just lies there, you know, sort of looking a little bit shocked. And I can see it moving. Its little body is kind of pulsing, uh-huh. you know, as it's trying to catch its breath. And I was kind of doing the same thing, I think. <laughs> I was kind of staring at it going, <laughs> and suddenly it like, its whole body shakes. And it shakes itself to its feet, looks at me, and then just scarpers. He's gone. <laughs> so that, yeah, that, okay, so what happened there, right? The DM rolls random encounter. <laughs> It's like, okay, D4 squirrels, rolls a D4, gets a one, and then the squirrel rolls a one on its attack die, and and the entire party is like, really? Squirrel? And we all missed our surprise roll. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think you just narrowly got missed getting assassinated by a squirrel. Yeah, that's, that's what exactly, it sounds like. Yeah. I think maybe I think maybe the branch was supposed to fall, but it wasn't. Yeah, oh, that's, I see. That's my theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was actually trying to do me in, and you know what that means? That little jerk. The fact that I let it live, it considers a sign of weakness, doesn't it? Yeah. Have you noticed? Have you noticed any squirrels following you recently? Yeah, it's hunting you right now. Uh... <laughs> We've got a lot of like tomato and cucumber plants that have completely taken over, so it could be sitting out there right oh, now. That's true. Hiding, <laughs> hiding tomato, yep. that's just fuel. under that pepper plant out there that and yeah. I'd never see it. I'd never Listen, know. You gotta you gotta clear all that out. You basically made it sniper blinds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my this, god. Yeah, this is why you should do all of your gardening indoors. Um, of course, the cops frown on that. So, yeah, you gotta have special lights. Yeah, it's uh, that's the gentleman from Colorado. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I would know. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, I and uh, but I happen to know that Heidi also gardens. I do, outside. I do, and I have my own squirrel stories. 
We won't get into them now. <laughs> okay, now, yeah, this is this is not fair because if Trey brings a squirrel story and you also bring a squirrel story, then I feel like pressured into telling a squirrel story and I don't have a squirrel story. No, this is a problem. No, we, Trey and I are going to start our own podcast <laughs> on just squirrels. On squirrel, squirrel so. stories. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thousands of hits every month. That's right. Uh, (laughs) We're going to have all the listeners. (laughs) Oh, man. That's what you do to get all the kids to think you're cool, right? That's right. That that brings all the boys to the yard, doesn't it? Well, Well, the boy squirrels. squirrels. Yeah, Yeah. boy squirrels. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're all looking at you. It's your turn. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm a little... It's So I've actually just come off of a week of vacation. We've been doing some just local kind of regional trips. I actually just got in from Detroit. Um, so let's see. Been a fun week, everybody. Uh, last weekend, we went up to Chicago and we got to see an, a wrestling uh, pay-per-view uh, event, uh, AEW All Out. It was amazing. It was the return of CM Punk. And uh, Suzuki came over from New Japan. It's freaking great, you guys. Got to see oh, some man. really, really, hey, and you know what? I, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was easily one of the best uh, wrestling events I have seen or been to for sure. So, we yeah. definitely need to play that RPG, that wrestling RPG. We just oh need man, to let's yeah. do it. I, I'm, I'm all I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Oh, if you cool. will, that's a. I'd be scared um, of Heidi if we had a wrestling RPG. <laughs> She'd be this expert. She's like, no, no, that's not how it works. No, no, no. Right, that's right. not what you would do. No, 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 no. Sorry. No, no, no. Break me in oh. half. Yeah. <laughs> Patting us nerdy boys on the head and saying, let me help you with your character sheet. Hold, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, that's yeah. not a good enough gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. If you're going to be uh, a heel, you got to go all out. That's true. Oh, man. You got to love a good heel. So, okay, I don't know. Other than that, we also, we went down to southern Indiana, and we did some some hiking on some trails down there. And then we actually, at the end of the week, we just got back from Detroit. Uh, we went up there to catch a the 49ers in the Lions season opener for the football game. Um, but we did other things while we were there. We did all sorts of fun, like, Motown tours and things like that. It's a it's a really cool city. So I don't know, just uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But it was awesome just to have a week off. So yeah, yeah, good for you. That okay. So in in keeping with the kind of like Indiana theme that has developed over the uh, the course of this introduction. Uh, I I recently got a chance to play with my fiance. She's got a couple of friends and we get together and play Euchre, which is a very Indiana game, or at least it's a very Midwest game. It's so funny to me because, uh, and she gets an absolute blast out of it because after, like, I, I have, we've done these Euchre nights like three times at least. And I am still trying to figure out this game. And she's like, you can sit down and read and digest a 900-page rule book on these weird games that you play, and you can't figure out Euchre? I'm like, I don't know what... I it, The cards change. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
Sometimes they're one thing and sometimes they're another. Yeah, that's nothing like Dominion. That hurts a diamond right now. Yeah, yeah. I just like, listen, always be looking for opportunities to learn some humility. Um, (laughs) And the the fact that I can't get Euchre, but I can get Dungeons and freaking Dragons. It's like, what? I propose, Case, that that you introduce this idea that you're that you're introducing a hidden traitor element to the partnership of, there we of go. Euchre. There we and go. And you're like, see, I am making it more complex and more board gamey. It's now a hidden traitor. It's game. a hidden, hidden traitor element. Well, it's more like hidden idiot element. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> did you mean to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yes. Does she actually say that to you as you're playing? Does she ask you that? Did you mean to do that? Did you mean to? Which one's the right answer? And again, everyone is... Really like they're friendly and they're there's nobody like a lot. You hear a lot of stories about about people being really mean teaching euchre. Everyone's super friendly. We laugh. We have a great time. But there's just the number of moments where it's like you you can't actually play that right now. Wait, is friendly code for we're going easy on you because you're a hidden idiot? Yeah, no, that's (laughs) that's that's pretty much what it is. It's pity um, kindness. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, so yeah. Sweet. Well, but see, they've gotten to the point now where it's like I put down a card, and they don't actually say, "Did you mean to do that?" They just sort of raise their eyebrows, and I'm like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not cruel. It's just like, oh, um. <laughs> yeah. The only way it could be, the only way it could be more Midwestern if I put a card down and they said, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. My bad. Yes, and we we love you despite and not because yeah. of your euchre uh, capability. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I listen. Much like in golf, I have a handicap. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, all right, but we uh, we actually are talking to go out a game today that uses cards. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Savage Worlds. Uh, we've been playing Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, which you can get from Pinnacle Entertainment Group for forty bucks. That's how much the hardback is, and that's the entire game. Uh, this is a modular sort of a game in that it is a kind of a universal system although I want to talk about that a little bit, it is designed to uh, do essentially action movies. Everything is built around the idea that whatever occurs in the game should be quick, should be cinematic, and should be exciting. Uh, so you're, if you're interested in purchasing this game, you buy the base rule book which is enough to basically play the game, especially if you want to do something that, that you come up with, with you by yourself, or if you just want to do a kind of pulp adventure type of story. Everything you need is in there. But then, generally what people do with Savage Worlds is pick up a setting that works much like a, just an addition onto the base game. It adds some more stuff. It gives you a a different type of flavor and you just go so savage worlds has been around for a while and it has been uh it's got dozens of settings not just by pinnacle but by a lot of people who write for it and so that's that's the game we've been playing and i would like to start actually 
let me start with a little bit of history from Trey, because you've been around this game for a while, and I think you you wanted to say something disclaimery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I do. I have a disclaimer. I have one of those full disclosure things here. Uh, so I have an affiliation with Pinnacle Entertainment Group, um, who who publishes this this game. So. Many years ago, I was active in a company called 12 to Midnight, and 12 to Midnight publishes modern horror RPG products, mostly set in the, their fictional college town of Pine Box, Texas. Um, the current flag- flagship setting for Savage Worlds <clears throat> is East Texas University, which you should all check out. So they started out working through the TSR's open gaming license, but later they switched to Savage Worlds and they never looked back. So um, anyway, uh, they're owned by Pinnacle now. And my direct involvement uh, went on a sort of long-term hiatus when I started graduate school 10 years ago. And the guys at 12 to Midnight have gone out of their way to keep me in the loop just because they're excellent people. And um, I'd like to renew my active involvement with them someday in the near future just because it's a lot of fun. But anyway, I just need to get that out on the table right there that I do have this sort of tenuous connection to, to Pinnacle. So... Yeah. Well, fair enough. But also, I think that that points out um, an important thing about this game. This is a game that has has a certain amount of history, mm-hmm. and it has been in publication and print for a while. One of the things that I would like to talk about a little bit is this is also a relatively rules light system in some sense, in in the sense that the play at the table tends to move along in a fair fair clip. However, character building and advancement is not rules light in quite the same way. It's a little more crunchy, a little more rules heavy, and I think it's an interesting contrast between the the rules light games we've been playing, like Monster of the Week, Tiny Supers, and something really heavy, like, say... Oh, I don't know, Rollmaster or something. Right, right. And so, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about that. Trey, this is something you've you've seen about this system for a long time and really liked. And yeah, yeah. So I kind of like to get your opinion. And then Heidi, you were saying something about how this kind of felt sort of in the middle with you. So, so Trey, what what was it about this that first drew drew you to the game? Well, uh, when when Twelve to Midnight first started porting all of their um, products over to Savage Worlds from the um, TSR's open gaming license, I was their executive editor at that point. So I was sort of in charge of making this happen. That's a huge overstatement. I wasn't in charge of making it happen, but I, I was editing the products as they came through, right? Other people made it happen. The The interesting thing to me is I had spent all my time up to that point editing these products and combing through stat blocks, you know, TSR style stat blocks, just dense kind of eye bleed kind of kind of stuff. And when we went over to Savage Worlds, I thought, oh, great, you know, here's a game system we're going over to that I have never played. I, you know, have never really even seen it. I'm going to have to go out and buy a rule book just so that I can, you know, edit these products. And it was so clear. Everything was... Compared to third edition D and D, yes. Well, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, everything was so easy. You know, I couldn't believe how simple everything got once we started doing Savage Worlds. It still had all the all the depth that it had had with the OGL, 
open gaming license, it still had all that depth, but everything was just so much easier to deal with. There were no crazy stat blocks. You know, all of the NPCs just had a few quick stats down there, and it was enough. You know, every last skill that they had and, you know, any feats or whatever, none of that. There was none of that. So that's what really stuck the hook in my mouth, really. Uh, and so, so yeah, that was my, my first experience with the game wasn't even as a player. Or a DM. It was as a an editor. An editor. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, this is so pretty. It's so clean. Uh, yeah, it, it was. It was nice. It was really nice. The game builds itself as, you know, Fast Furious fun, right? And the blurb on the back. You know, that was the Explorer's Edition that came out while I was in the middle of all of that. That's the previous edition. We're at the Adventurer's Edition now. But on the back of the Explorer's Edition, it says that it's designed to give players plenty of depth when creating characters, keeping bookkeeping to a minimum. I think that's a pretty fair description. It basically kind of seeks to have a low barrier to entry and just keep all the barriers low for as long as the campaign's going on. Well, actually, and speaking to that, uh, Heidi, what did you think of this in terms of like barrier to entry and like ease of play as opposed to the other games you've been playing? So prior to playing with y'all, I had played games like Pathfinder, D&D, your more traditional kind of D20 games. And then we started playing together and it was a lot of D6 games, incredibly rules light, just, hey, you need one die, that's it, you go from there. So I think I've been very spoiled in that and I think I may just be a D6 gal from here on out. I I don't know. So, and and that's just because, for me, I don't want to devour the 900-page rule book like Case does. Like, you know, I want to just have a good time, make some jokes, you know, be like, woo, and, and, you know, that's that. I think, I would agree, I think, Case, you said this, uh, you were saying this earlier, it's a little, like, in the beginning, it's developing the character is a little heavier. Playing the actual game is lighter especially compared to your Pathfinder type stuff. Yeah, actually getting into the game, it's pretty comprehensive. It's like, up oh, here's your level. You use the appropriate, you know, die that matches that number. It's pretty easy as far as that goes. I think I was at first intimidated just simply because, again, I'm kind of the fresh set of eyes on these games. You guys have all played this stuff before. I have not. So for me, I think I go into everything with a little bit of apprehension um, that maybe you all don't have once we got past that and uh, you know kind of initially set things up and got rolling fine totally fine and I think that's something I would suggest to anybody getting into this game it may be overwhelming at first as you're trying to develop your character but once you get past it just just stick it out because it's good once you get going it's great and I, I should probably mention, um, actually, I want Nathan to talk about the um, uh, the dice mechanics here for a minute, specifically the, the, the math involved. But the system itself is really pretty straightforward. It is uh, based on a roll of uh, one or more die, actually usually two, uh, for characters because characters are heroes and get an extra die to roll. You're rolling against a target number the target number is usually four and what you do to improve your character is 
your stats or your skills go up a die. So from a, a 4 to a 6 to an 8 to a 10 to a 12. And that is what gives you your expertise um, or your that, that represents you increasing ability as your character goes along. You also get to add special abilities and things to your character. Again, depending on what rule set you're in, you might add you know, superhero-like abilities or spells and magic or who knows, any number of things depending on the world. But Nathan, you were doing a little bit of um, math calculations, probability before the game. What, tell us a little bit about how that stuff works out. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned in Savage Worlds, you're not rolling a standard die and then adding a bonus. You're instead rolling a die of a specific type based on essentially how skilled you are in that thing, fighting or whatever. So they range from being completely untrained, which is you roll a d4 and you subtract two from the result, all the way up to being incredibly skilled at it, which is rolling a d12. One of the things that makes Savage Worlds interesting is that dice explode in this game. So if you roll the highest number on a die, you bank that number and then you roll the die again and you're going to add the result. And of course, if that result is again the highest number on the die, you're going to bank that highest number and roll it again, right? So technically, there is some universe in which you could roll an, an infinite score for a check. But, you know, likely you're going to stop after a couple rolls, hopefully, maybe, possibly. So uh, what that means is if your target number is a four, untrained, a success on that d4 minus two you have like uh just under a 19 percent chance of success which isn't all that great and you're untrained so that makes some sense the other thing that savage worlds does to mitigate this is you always get to use this wild die when you when you test an ability in in savage worlds and it's a d6 and it works just like your your uh skill die so it's a d6 your target number is four it explodes on sixes so if you Add in the fact that you're always you always have a 50% chance of rolling a four on a d6, and you add that into the fact that you're rolling this d4 minus two over here. You combine those together, and if you have a success on either one of those dice, it is a success for the check. That actually gives you like just shy of a 60% chance of a success, even untrained in a skill. Because you're getting 50% for free, basically, from the D6, and then you're adding a little bit from that D4 minus 2. So the game's very forgiving of, of die rolls on the percentages. And what that does, I think, is it really encourages you to take risks and do awesome things, do adventurous things, you know. You're going to be Indiana Jones jumping on onto a moving tank because you you have at worst case scenario a 60% chance of success. Yeah, and that's that is a number of things I think that about this game that support the the kind of cinematic quality to it and the idea that your characters are heroes and capable of doing amazing things which we tend to associate with the more rules-like type of systems, you know, these are the systems that just kind of expect characters to succeed most of the time because they're heroes and the heroes win. Uh, Adam, what were the other things that you thought were particularly interesting as far as as rule systems with this? 
So if you think about what Nathan was explaining from the other side of the chair, I know, uh, Case, you were our GM for this session. The legwork for the GM to impose penalties for things that are just outlandish or should be particularly challenging. We talked about how the target number is typically a four if you're trying something. That means you're not setting a difficulty class like you would be with like a traditional D20 game that could be anything from, you know, a difficulty class one to a million or whatever, you don't have any real number to choose from. You're really just trying to say, is it particularly hard? Is there some mitigating factor? You might give them a penalty of one or two or four if it's really crazy. But the scope in which you have to mitigate as the GM for penalties is actually pretty small. And so there's a chart in the book which guides you towards things and you might impose, oh, this is really hard and it should be harder for you because of these circumstances. You might say it's a minus two penalty and then you just, you're off to the races with exactly what what Nathan uh, described. So I think it's interesting. I also think that for folks who are new to role-playing games and they want to try out all these cool fancy dice and D&D is uh, complex and a barrier to entry for you. While this game is a fully mature rule set and is crunchier than it appears on the 10, here's the dies, bigger or better, target number four, you're off to the races. So yeah. I think it's a, a low barrier to entry with a, still a quite a mature uh, rule set. With many optional subsystems as well in the book. We didn't leverage a lot of them in the time we played, but there's there's subsystems for fear and interludes and social conflicts. So it's a, it's a fully mature rule set. And I think what's important for us as judges is that this year, Savage Worlds is 18, so it can be tried as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that's true. So I want to talk about the the like the, the idea of the mature rule set uh, in a minute, but Heidi and Trey, you guys both talked about binnies as something that you particularly like in this system. So binnies are little chips, little poker chips that you're, as a player, you have. You get a certain number every session, and they can be cashed in for various sorts of things to re-roll a die or to, you know, to, to help you recover. Uh, and, but you guys both like this. So what, what made them particularly attractive to you from, as a, from the player perspective? I'll say for me, I wish I had binnies in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because the idea of, oh, that didn't go as I planned or, (laughs) oh, I screwed that up. Like, it's real nice to think, oh, I can just toss one little, like, binny coin at this and do over. Or, oh, you get a little little extra padding around the edge of this so it won't hurt quite as bad. (laughs) It just. For me, it's it it is what it's just that extra padding. It's it's oh, I didn't roll. This gives me a roll well. It gives me a chance to re-roll and and maybe you know do do better or you know or as a GM, you know if somebody did something really well, you were like, hey, you can you can have a Benny for that, or I'll let you use a Benny if you want to push this idea that's a little crazy and a little out there, but you want to push it through. It's just a nice way to be like, ah, oh, look at me. I'm just kind of walking on air today. Like, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it. I, I want real, I'm starting a campaign for real life minis. So there you go. There you go. I love it. <laughs> I will help you on that. I will sign your petition. <laughs> Let's do a Kickstarter for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. And the, they're fun because depending on the kind of game you're playing, you might have more or fewer minis at the start of a game and the, campaign case made for us was kind of cool because we were all kids at summer camp which was lots of fun (laughs) yeah and 
And the the rules say that one of the benefits to being very young is you get extra bennies at the beginning of the game. So we had a lot of bennies, but you wouldn't normally have probably as many bennies as we had. So they, they're kind of a precious commodity. You know, you don't want to just throw them around like crazy, but they give the players a little bit of agency in creating the story, you know? Obviously, the the best way to use, or the most common way to use them is to re-roll something or to soak damage. But you can also spend them like, you know, if I use a Benny, can I, you know, find a hole under the fence or whatever? I just made that up. But but you can use them for things like that. And, and it gives you a sort of boost in, in, in working on the story. I can see... Case your your eyebrows are going up and down like 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 a like a basset hound. So it's well, it's it's what I think is interesting is that it has a kind of um, you can use them for the for the those roll things, but you can also be like, hey GM, what if there was a gas can and full gas can in the back of yeah, yeah. this a uh, back of this shed because I could really use that right now. And mm-hmm. if the GM decides that that's dramatic or interesting, I'd be like, sure, give me a Benny. There you go. So you can, obviously, it's a way for you to affect your hero's story. Like, no, I don't think he should go down here. I think he should continue. Right. <laughs> right. But it's also a way for you to, you know, to, to kind of nudge the story just a little bit. It just, you know, it, again, it makes me think of those action movies where, you know, they just happen to be... You know, there's a car chase, and they just happen to be driving through an area where they're do. There's a cement mixer, right, and they can knock it off course, and you know, drown the cop cars in cement, right? It's just, it's that kind right. of feel to it. Yeah. The other thing I would add to that as well is, is you know, kind of in line with what I was saying earlier, where you know, even at worst case scenario, you have a better than half chance of succeeding at a check. The existence of Benny's also kind of gives you a safety net right you can go you can say well i'm going to well in my case sneak past this shack full of guards and i'm not afraid of giving that a try because i've got this stack of bennies in front of me and if i fail i'll spend a benny and re-roll and you know the it it really helps the players keep the the plot moving forward and helps them take chances that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do in in a more typical role-playing game because you just screw it for your entire party yeah exactly it's like well i've only got one chance at this and i've bet you know i'm i you know i have less than 50 50 odds so i don't want to try it but with with savage worlds it's like eh, give it a shot uh although i do love that if you roll uh double ones which is a critical failure you cannot spend bennies like you you done you done screw the pooch son yeah yeah that's 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 the whammy right and yeah. and you're, you're done exactly uh, let me talk a little bit about this whole idea of mature rule sets so one of the things that i think we've been enjoying these rules light sets the the d6 gal sort of games which i love that <laughs> phrase yeah it's the d6 gal sort of a game uh, one of the things is occasionally those rule sets will get to these fuzzy edges that are just seem a little like they didn't think of this. Like, uh, for instance, in the Monster of the Week game that we were playing, if you roll and fail in a combat challenge, your character gets hurt. But there's no provision in that system for ranged weapons, you know, and so that throws off, you know, the basic balance of the game. 
And that just feels, it feels very like first edition of the rules to me. It's like, well, you guys tried. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, there's some, there's some things that need to be edited <laughs> or changed for the next edition. And this thing feels full. It feels like an entire game system. As Adam mentioned, there's a lot of material in the main rule book that's like, hey, you want to do a chase scene? Here's the rules for chasing. It's super fun. It's quick. It's interesting. Hey, you want to do some sort of like courtly intrigue? Here's the rules for that. That's what I like to see in a nice, nicely balanced game that's been tested and played through and has seen several editions. So I'm I don't know sure where I'm going with this. <laughs> I I <laughs> It's interesting to me because the first time I, I ran across this game, I didn't like it very much. And this new version of the game, I opened it, read through it, and was like, this is a game. This is a whole game. I could play this for a long time. I don't know. Uh, thoughts on that? Um, Adam, you said before that you've played this game and kind of put, put it back on the shelf. What did you think this time through? Yeah, I really like what they've done with this most recent edition. If there was one complaint I would have is that their naming convention for their editions doesn't give a new person a lot of insight into what is the newest version. Yes, that's so, true. So, you know, you've had, <laughs> uh, I'll just list them real quick as an example. There was Savage Worlds, there was Explorer's Edition, Savage Worlds Deluxe, Savage Worlds Deluxe Explorer's Edition, and Savage Worlds Adventures Edition. Which one is the newest? The answer is Savage Worlds Adventures Edition, but they've shied away from using version two, version three, whatever, um, which is fine, but you do have to do a little diligence. Now, the answer to your question is, I really like what this edition has done with the skills system. So we may have mentioned that your attributes have a die type. Bigger is better in the same way that your skills also have a die type. You may not have a die and a skill. And if that's the case, then it's untrained as Nathan was mentioned, D4 minus two. Otherwise you use the, the die for the skills. Skills list has been consolidated. Um, things like investigation was renamed to research because it was getting confused with notice. Things like lockpicking and streetwise have been combined into thievery. This also trickles down into how you choose your edges and hindrances at what you pre-qualify for those. So you can tell through these iterations that they have had a lot of good feedback that they've listened to about making the game run as fast and furious and fun as they say that it does. And I really do think that some of the additions that were added in Splatbook now being incorporated into the core book. Uh, for example, the sci-fi Splatbook has always been renowned for being a, a, a best purchase for a Savage World person, even if you're not running sci-fi, because it had race creation rules in it. Well, now that's something that's in the core book. And so they've incorporated a lot of their 18 years of knowledge into this most recent edition of the game. So if there was one way to summarize it, I would say, if you've looked at Savage Worlds in the past, give this new edition a look. Yeah, I agree. I And it, it, with the amount of material in this, like that is available both from Pinnacle and from other companies, because I think you know, much as Trey's experience tells us, people people feel safe writing for Savage Worlds. They know it's going to be around. There's no, they know they're going to get. You know, the, the game is going to be there for them. And there are a lot of places and types of games you want to play, or you could play in this game. And I guess I would, I want to circle back to this idea of this as a universal system. So we played it as a pretty straightforward pulp adventure campaign uh, set in the 1920s. There were even, you know, nefarious Germans around. I'm not going to say what? 
I'm not going to say that they were members of a particular socialist organization or not, but they were vaguely nefarious and they were German. Uh, the, the last sort of universal system we looked at was, was sort of the D6 system. We played the tiny D6 supers. What about this as, as a universal system? Any, any impressions there? My, my first thought is that it is definitely not uh, a simulationist system. Ah, if you want yeah. that, you have, <laughs> you have GURPS at your disposal, so go buy a GURPS core rulebook and read that through. Um, but it is definitely a cinematic system. So if you're interested in playing a pulp game or an, an adventure-style game, an Indiana Jones feel game, you can get it. And if you want to play it in a different genre, then you can do horror pulp, or you can do sci-fi pulp, or you can do fantasy pulp. But uh, you, can, you can do supers pulp with powers and stuff as well. Um, but it is going to be cinematic and not simulationist. Yeah, yeah, that that is definitely the case. It is, it is a universal system, but it is in the sense that if you would like to play a version of this genre or whatever, that is the pulp action style, then you're good. It's like everything is directed by John Woo. Everything, you know. <laughs> sure. Lord of the Rings is directed by John Woo. <laughs> Miss Marple is directed by John Woo. It's just, it's going to be, there's going to be doves and motorcycles and falling through the air in slow motion. That's just what's going to happen. And uh, if you are okay with that, you know, then that's great. What else do we want to talk about? Trey, you had a question for me about the, the GM experience. So tell us about your experience creating this Savage Worlds adventure that we went on. You, you and I talked after one of the sessions and you were saying that I guess it was after the last session you were just saying that you had created so much content that we never got to get to which kind of speaks to in my mind it seemed I should say to to speak to how much fun you had putting this together the rules have a section that's meant to help the GM prepare this game has a reputation for really being a breeze to prepare for so how did it feel to you was was the section of the book about that helpful to you did you need it well you know it's it's so interesting one of my complaints about the current dungeon master's guide so the fifth edition dungeon master's guide to my mind is the most backwards document that you can imagine so it has the entire front of the book is all about making like what is your world like and uh you know who are your gods yeah, and go. how do the planes interact old man and... tompkins <laughs> complained about the dmg <laughs> kids get out of my yard you kids <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah specifically these fifth edition kids need to get out of my yard but it's it's all of this stuff about the world and at the back of the book at the back of the book, there's this section that's like, oh, here's how you build a dungeon. Here's how you stock it. So it's like the game is Dungeons and Dragons, and you didn't you didn't bother to think about dungeons until the very end. But the thing is, that what it is not is useful. It is a not useful document. This thing, the this adventure book, which again is the entire book, it's all the rules you need to play, has more to actually help you run the game as a GM than many whole books on being a, a game master. The, the thing is, you have to accept that Savage Worlds is a theme park. So it's just a bunch of rides. And that's what I did when I was designing this, this adventure, is I just designed a bunch of rides. I was like, okay, I'm going to put a, you know, a um, minecart chase over here, and I'm going to put a, you know, a... a 
a stealthy escape from the bad guys over here. I'm going to put a underage kids trying to drive a truck over here and a plane uh, falling off a mountain over here. And it's just going to be like, what do you want to ride? Where would you like to go? And so the, it, the fun for me of making an adventure, and it was a lot of fun, was just coming up with new action sequences that I could drop in of like here's this action sequence over here and if they go over here there's a potential for them to get into this action sequence and if they go over here they can get on this one you guys kind of snuck around and avoided all of them uh there was some although there was a really great fight scene in the middle of the ghost engine uh that uh, was delightful there were just so many useful tools for making this game into a a roller coaster of fun that yeah, I, I almost couldn't stop doing design work. It's like, oh, hey, this would be fun. I'll put one of those here. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it felt, you know, if there's a food equivalent, it's like you're at Cold Stone Creamery or something. It's like, yeah, I think I will add some brownie to this. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, sprinkles? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, can we put that in a waffle cone? Perfect. Yeah. Those little Perfect. mochi balls? Yeah, I'm in. I mean, yeah, I can see somebody like if you're into the action genre or if you're into the if you want your adventure to be a kind of like wild ride, you're gonna have a lot of fun designing this system. You really are. We didn't really talk about hit points. Right, and that, that bears talking about. It does bear talking about. Um, basically in in this system you're you're either okay or you're really not okay. You've got what was it, three hit points? Yeah, basically, if you want to call them that, yeah, they're, they're a little they're a little richer than hit points because you get hit and you get knocked to another state, and th there are ways to avoid that. You can try to soak the damage. There are rolls you can make to mitigate how much damage you take. You can spend bennies, but each time you get to another state, it affects what you're able to do. Yeah, yeah, it does affect you. So you go from sort of like. You know, and again, think about this cinematically. Like the hero's got a scratch on his cheek and a bruise um, under one eye, but basically he's okay. Or he's got shot in the arm and now he's kind of wounded or, you know, got shot, right? So it's, it's sort of basically okay, a little off, really bad. We had some of that sort of people falling into various states in the game. Note that most bad guys in the game who are referred to as extras, again, very cinematic, don't get those various states. If they get hit, they kind of go down. Right. And the game specifies that they're down for the fight. They yes. may be dead. Yes. They may just be unconscious. It's whatever the GM decides, whatever seems fun. You yeah. know. But, yeah, down doesn't necessarily mean dead. But it could. But yeah, they're like stormtroopers. They take one shot and they're down. Yeah, yeah. I thought for the main characters, the hit point system, it gave a lot of room, for sure. Uh, I, I know my character in particular, I had a bad roll, threw a Benny at it, had another bad roll. And at that <laughs> point, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was not my day. And at that point, you know, I, 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 I was down, you know. But you, we were able to work around it, you know, my... My young character, Agnes Harvey, was uh, she was down and out with a, a really bad asthma attack, but she wasn't 
she wasn't gone. You know, we were we were able to come back. So you know, it's it, but it, there's a lot of there's a lot of room around it. I, I think it's a good system. It, it works well. Yeah. So, it, yeah, but it was very dramatic too. Like your character was kind of was fragile and but still wanted to help. It was it was exciting. Yeah. 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 It, it added for sure. Again, cinematic. There you go. So yeah. Oh, I was just going to add that uh, my character became intimately familiar with damage, didn't he, Adam? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. We, we may have almost killed Nathan's character. It was a friendly fire incident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is our obligation as reviewers to test all of the scenarios. <laughs> that's, that's, right. Right. That's, that's my excuse. That's, that's, right. Right. that's right. That's what we were thinking about. We yeah. think only of you, dear listener. It's nothing personal, Nathan. It's all for yeah. the love of the game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. Who is this game for? And I would say <laughs> I would say to all of the people out there who are who are thinking about getting to D&D and you've watched maybe like people on Twitch play D&D, you should be playing Savage Worlds because if what you want is cinematic storytelling and excitement and rules that back up that sort of gaming, that's this game. And if that is your cup of tea, it, it, in fact, in some ways it almost feels to me as if 5th edition, it's got that inspiration point. It's got these things that's like, it's it's almost as if 5th edition is is kind of fangirling a bit to, on Savage Worlds. But yeah, I think if if your idea of role-playing game is cinematic action and that type of adventure and you you want that but you also want you you want to be able to real really tweak your character, this is the game for you. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I think this game, first caveat is that if everyone agrees that the cinematic style is what you're after, yes, then you move on to the next series of questions. And those questions include things like, if you want to break out of the confines of a class-based D20 system, this game's for you. If you want to learn one system and hop genres all over the place, then this game is for you. So I think I think that's really the, the follow-up questions after the first one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um Heidi, what do you think? Who is this game for? Well, here, here. I'm going to back you guys up on the cinematic stuff. Uh, this appeals to if you're your movie geek, your, t- your TV geek, any of that stuff. Because, uh, Adam, to what you said, if you just learn the system, you can carry this across several genres. And it's for me, it's much easier to kind of play a game when I can picture the on the screen kind of how it plays out. Um, my second thing I would say though is this is this game hits the sweet spot between the D6 gal kind of games and the like D20 traditional like very rules heavy games. It's it's uh, like I said, you just got to get over that first little hurdle of developing the character and figuring things out and learning it. But beyond that, it's it's great. It's easy. 
to go with and and flow with so yeah nathan what do you think well yeah not to sound like a broken record but uh to (laughs) emphasize emphasize the you know the cinematic nature of the game uh everything in the game is built to make you take risks or rather encourage you to take risks and be awesome and do cool things if you are a fan of movies like any of the indiana jones movies or the rocketeer or the league of extraordinary gentlemen i think you're going to enjoy this game additionally i think the person who enjoys this game is going to be the person that enjoys having all the little fiddly bits during character creation to make the person exactly the way they want them but then for all that stuff to just disappear when you're playing the game that's that's the person that that savage worlds is is made for yeah trey i got no problems with what any of you guys said absolutely all of it true and i'll go back to an old hobby horse of mine that you guys have heard me say over and over again and it's probably a sign that i am a fellow of a certain age but it's good for people who are busy you know who have a lot going on you know people who don't have a lot of time to prepare from the standpoint of a gm there's not a lot of overhead keeps all that stuff back out of your way just like all the other stuff stays out of your way yeah if you're middle-aged and you know have a family and commitments and can't spend hours and hours pouring over this stuff then this is a good this is a really great game for you i think yeah yeah i i i think those things are true okay let's go ahead and give this thing a grade so again is this a pass a high pass or a fail from you and let's let's just uh trey you just gave us who's this for give us your grade i'm giving it a high pass um this is this has been one of my favorite games for a long time and I really love it. Interesting. I, I definitely high pass. I mean, you've been proselytizing this game to me for a while, so I would be surprised if you did not give it a high pass. <laughs> Heidi, what do you say? I'm real close to a high pass, but I'm just going to give it a pass. Um, I Again, I, I love this game. Once we got into it and got going, I, all good. I think for me, this was just, it was just a little harder to kind of get into. I think I've been way too spoiled playing D6 games for a while with everybody. So for me, like, I think that first session we were doing it, I was like, what the what is going on, you guys? Come on. Like, so that would be my one kind of hang up is just you got to learn it first and you got to get over that hurdle. But other than that, it's great. It's great. Like I said, sweet spot between an easy D6 and uh, and a harder uh, rules heavy game for sure. Very definitely. Yeah. Um, Nathan. Yeah. So um, I didn't know what grade I was going to give it when we started this uh, little rodeo here. But I think after kind of talking about it for a bit and kind of thinking about it, I think I'm going to go with a high pass for this. I do think there is some room for improvement. One of the things that I would mention maybe is the layout of the rule book. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of. Part (laughs) of that is because I was scrolling through it on a PDF rather than reading the, the full hardback that we had available but yeah i think the layout probably could have been helped some and it is a little crunchy so there's a lot of front-loaded stuff to get going but outside of that i mean the game's wonderful so yeah actually that's worth mentioning Uh, just a, a a side note i had to look up uh rules about darkness and it turns out that if you look for the rules about lighting it's not found under light it's not found under vision it is found under illumination which i don't know if that's a troll or not but it feels very 
very troll-like to me. Uh, anyway, Adam, what do you think? You know, most of my decisions on where a game system falls in the fail pass, high pass, has mostly been gut reaction. But for this one, I did write down some of the things that, like, what would tick the boxes for a game for a high pass? And this one ticked all the boxes for me. I was surprised, but I'm going to give this one a high pass. That is interesting because I have been wrestling with what to give this thing. Like, I have been thinking about this for weeks about like since we started playing this because i read the original rule book or i read the the rule book i'm like this is good it's really good i like your i like what it's doing i like what it's trying to do but i i i don't particularly philosophically agree with storytelling games they kind of bug me i like simulation and so it was kind of holding me back and i think for me the tipping point was just the usefulness of the system. And that if you, I think about things in terms of long-term play, like, cause what you want is to get people into the rule system and then they know the system and then they can just keep playing their games and keep enjoying the, each other's company. And so I'm going to give this a high pass. What? What? Yeah, I what? know. I know. Oh. We are living in unprecedented times. I know. Yes. I know. I... yes the, the end is nigh. <laughs> the seas are boiling. <laughs> the horses are eating each other. This is despite the fact that I don't know that I would I would choose to run this game. But nonetheless, if I did, I would never have to run another game. Like, I would have to learn this system and just like, hey, we want to play a D&D type of game? Turns out there's a Pathfinder Savage Worlds. Heidi, you're the negative Nancy this time. Ow! How did this... <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm blown away. First of all, I'm looking... Everybody's face right now is just like, what? But... What? what, what, I'm, what? I'm bl- a, this is unprecedented. Kate gave a high pass. I'm the negative Nancy. I'm always the one that's like, I loved it. It's so fun. Yay! And like, I'm the one... <laughs> I've been trying to be more hypercritical lately and like really think it through. Guys. Well, you didn't give it a fail. Like you No. Yeah. And please note no. that I said this is real close to a high pass for me. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the fresh set of eyes that's never played it before and as a newbie coming in, it is a little bit much to wrap your your brain around at first. So that's the one thing that kind of at first, I'm like, eh, if you're coming into this and wanna just, if you've never played an RPG before, for me, that's the one kind of hold up that this may not be the game to start with, you know? It's a really good sweet point between a really tough game and an easier game if you're looking for that. Uh, You know, that's my one, that's my one drawback that I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to give it a high pass. I'm going to be very analytically like, look, yeah, man, I'm so mad. <laughs> you stick to your guns, my friend. In aggregate, Savage Worlds is still by far our best rated game so far. So I, that's true. I, I think that I think true. that stands yeah. on its own as a data yeah, point. For sure. It does. I do want to point out that uh, Case gave a system, a high pass, that in the rule book states that the GM just decides when you get XP, which I know gets under his skin. It does. But despite all of that, he still gives oh, a high pass. Yes. God, I hate that. I hate. Uh, no, no, no. I hate that. No backsies, Case. No backsies. I hate, I hate uh, the DM daddy stuff. 
And I also hate the rules for grappling. Ah! <laughs> the worst. Nice. Well done. Nice button at the end. Well done. I didn't get to talk. I did. did I guess you? I I segued off of Nate's because oh. we are never apart for more than four hours at a time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we are attending Gen Con together, so yeah. his stories are my stories at this point. I that see. is true. Can't get rid of this guy. Well, <laughs> thank you for ruining my transition. Sorry, it was a great segue. Yeah, Adam, was... Adam can cut all this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, Adam, Adam will make it work. It'll be fine. Set in post. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving it in. Adam, okay. Adam's got it. Good, shut up. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We are talking about a game, and now I'm transitioning. Yes. Nobody can say anything. Deliberation of this august body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because we're we're so uh, serious and uh, straightforward. We'll we'll have Adam edit that out too. Yeah. Please. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. I'd, I'd appreciate it. It'll be fine. It. Keep it in. Adam. Keep it in. Keep it in.